You're listening to a podcast of The River in Durant, Oklahoma. Join us Sundays at 10 a.m. or Wednesdays at 7 p.m. Or learn more about us online at theriverdurant.com. Hallelujah. Amen and amen. Let's get in it. I'm going to go out. I, I don't know if you know this. Well, you don't know this. I'm going to go ahead and pray this with, with out loud and proud. Uh, just because of someone I met this morning. Amen and amen. I would tell you a history behind all that, but I don't want to take up the time to do that. Turn with me to the book of Galatians. The book of Galatians chapter 4. Hallelujah. How many people were here Wednesday night? If you weren't here Wednesday night, uh, Wednesday night we found out what Pentecostal means. We found out what Pentecost really means and what it means to be Pentecostal. Uh, and I'm not saying this in any negative way, shape, or form, but when you look into Scripture, you find out that Pentecostal or Pentecost means that you're falling in love with God. Pentecostal means, Pentecostal is the first uh, interpersonal communication that God had with man is when He gave us a prayer language to speak to Him in. It was the very accumulation of a, a wedding ceremony that was taking place. It's when God spoke in a special way and then gave man the ability to speak back. That's, that's what Pentecostal really is. Huh, boy, I, you just need to get the CD. The cassette, the eight track, whatever it's on. Flash drive, thumb drive. Podcast, who knows? All right. Galatians chapter 4. Galatians chapter 4. Hallelujah. We're going to talk about it a little bit this. Let's go on. Uh, this, this starts back in Genesis, but we're going to start in Galatians. Verse 1. Now I say that the heir, as long as he is a child, this word child literally means infant. It means infant. It says, now I say that the heir, as long as he is a child, does not differ at all from a slave, though he is master of all, but is under guardians and stewards until the time appointed by the Father. Even so, we, when we were children or infants, we were in bondage under the elements. That word elements literally means the basic principles, the elementary. It doesn't mean the elements as, you know, water, water, fire, earth. It means the elementary principles of the way the world works. All right? The basic, the basic introduction. Uh, matter of fact, it's not even the A, B, C's, but it's how you say the A, B, C's. It's not the, the lettering of the A, B, C's. It's the, you ever see the My Fair Lady movie? Every, uh, my Fair Lady movie. I, you're learning how to say the, the sounds. It's not even the writing, but it's the, it's, the, it's the very basic principles of how this world works. And that's what this is addressing here. And it goes, it says that they were under, the, the, under bondage to the basic elements of this world. But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth His Son, born of a woman, born under the law to redeem those who are under the law that we might receive the adoption as 
sons. This word sons is mature sons. It's not, not the child infant sons that you're adopted as mature sons. When you're adopted into the family of God, you're not brought in as infants under the elements learning your A's and B's and C's. Okay? You're, you're adopted in as mature sons. And we're going to see the difference this morning. You know, the, I, I didn't know if I should have titled this message this morning, Your Family Tree. Everybody know what your family tree is? You know, and, and, and you know, there's a saying that the world says, you know, who's your daddy? You ever heard that? Well, we got a new saying I want you to have this morning. See, it's not about who's your daddy. The, the, the question I'm going to ask you this morning, who's your mama? See, the scripture says that Abraham is the father of our, our faith, but who's your mother? Oh, that's different. You ever think about that? Oh, Abraham's the father of our faith. Yeah. Well, who's your mother? That's what I want to know. That's what we're going to find out. You ready? All right, well, here we go. See, the, these basic elements. Oh, that's right. Okay, we have a commercial. Can we have a commercial? No, don't say that. I'll stay here all night. Uh, let's, let's, uh, we for, see, I, told, I told you I would forget, didn't I, Alan? Now, 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 remember who Joy is in my life. She's my field trip supervisor. <laughs> see, our ministry, some people are like walking through the museum. Everything's lined up and everything. Turn it up. I want to hear it. Let me explain why they get that ready. Have you, have you, have you ever heard me uh, mention the Mystery of the Ages conference that a friend of mine, we're making it into 8-track uh, or DVD. <laughs> we're putting it all in forms, and we actually had someone record it. Go ahead and do it. And this is a little 30-second clip. It's eight hours of teaching from beginning to kingdom. I mean, give you some perspectives you haven't seen before and uh, things to consider about the gospel in that way. And so that's why we must honor the Holy Spirit as the great teacher because Jesus sent him to teach us all truth. The rest of the story is Paul Harvey would say. Th th this is just a little commercial because uh, some of you have mentioned us trying to come down here. Well, well, we had a person actually professionally video it. It's eight hours of teaching all in one day. And when, when you sit there for eight hours and you go, eight hours, oh, huh. let, let, let me just tell you what happens. The, it's so amazing. And I, I didn't realize how amazing it was, but, but the people that come to eight hours of teaching on a Saturday aren't looking for Jesus. They, are, they already know more about the Bible than I do. You know, and, they're, and they're coming to see what, what, what we don't know or hopefully fill in some blanks for what they do know. And they literally, they've come three times to these meetings. I mean, they want more. They keep hearing more. We've never had one person stand up and call us a heretic. No, I'm waiting for that day. I'm on it. Huh? I know, I'm not doing something right. I said, I'm going to be called a heretic. I got my speech lined up, you know what I'm saying? And they don't leave. They come eight hours. But when you see it from beginning to end, see, most times in church you just get little glimpses, little pieces, little, 
little, and you go, how's that fit? Well, we show you the whole Bible, the whole story of the Bible. It's called reverse engineering. Uh, if you know the big picture, when you put a puzzle together, do you look at the box? Sure you do. That's because you see the big, so when you read the Bible, if you knew what the big picture was all about, it all makes sense. You know where the pieces fit. So anyway, uh, this is not ready for sale. What this is for, simply we're, we are trying to, uh, we need, we're trying to raise $3,000 that we can uh, promote this in a larger scale. And so we're asking people, for, 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 this is for production cost. Uh, and it normally would cost around $5,500 for production, but this is a pre-order. If you'd like to pre-order one of these for $25, Am I begging? No, but if it, it's probably going to go for around fifty to seventy dollars when we're done. But uh, for twenty-five dollars, if you want to pre-order, just do that online. We're not going to take the time here. Just see Joy's website thingy, whatever it's called, and and for twenty-five dollars or any offering above that. Do what? C J Coker for him at yahoo.com. Or just email Joy. She's the... Yeah. Well, she wouldn't have said it that way, but that's all right. All right. Back to where we were at. And this is a great thing to use for a home Bible study. Invite some people over and just do, you know, do this. There are 25-minute sessions with a five-minute break, 25-minute sessions, five-minute break, and you wouldn't believe how fast it goes. So, all right, back to the book of Galatians. So th this, this emphasis and the questions I want to be, you to be asking this morning is not necessarily who's your, who's your daddy because Abraham is the father of our... See, very good. See, see, those that know and have been for any time, when I pause and you know the answer, make sure you know the answer, but, but when I pause and you know the answer, you fill in the blank because I like crowd participation. This way I know that everybody's listening so Abraham is referred to as the father of our? Amen. Well, who's our mother? That's the question. What good's a father without a mother? Amen. So we're going to get into that this morning. We're going to talk about uh, some stuff in Genesis. And this is what it says in verse, in verse 6. And because you are sons, this is mature sons, God has sent forth his spirit of his son into our hearts, crying out, Abba, Father, therefore, you are no longer a slave under the elements of the world, under the basic principle, the ABCs, uh, but of sons. You're mature. And if a son, then an heir of God through Christ. But then indeed, you, uh, when you did not know God, you served those which by nature, of, uh, uh, by nature are not God's, but now after you have known God, or rather are known by God, how is it that you turn again to the weak? Say weak. weak. And beggarly. beggarly. Elements. So this is making reference to the elementary principles of the worlds as being weak and what? Beggarly. Elements. See? The word weak literally means sick. The, the word weak literally means, when the, when the scripture says that Jesus went out healing the sick, it literally says he went out healing the 
the weak. The, the beggarly literally is the word where we, they get the word beggar from. The poor. So with the elements, the basic elements, if you live under the, if you live under the, if you live under the, if, if you live under the basic elements of the world, you're living under poor and sick conditions. But now after you have known, verse 9 again, but at, now after you have known God, or rather are known by God, how is it that you turn again, that going back, see, they had already turned away from the weak and beggarly, or the basic element, the ABCs of how the world works. They'd already turned to God, but now they're turning back under, to the basic elements, which are poor, which is poverty, or which is weak and sickness and illness and disease, that which you desire again to be in, in bondage. It literally says, let me just read it to you in the book of Hebrews, in, that, that keeps you in bondage. What keeps you in bondage? I tell you, when you look, look at uh, Hebrews chapter 2, verse 14, I do believe. Let me look. Yeah, uh, if you put that on the board real quick. Hebrews chapter 2, verse 14 Inasmuch then as the children... Who's the book of Hebrews written to? Jews. Let's try that one more time. Who is the book of Hebrews written to? All right, we need to make that clear. Inasmuch then as the children of Israel have been taken of what? Flesh. This is actually a communion scripture. Next time you take communion, read what this scripture says. When you do this in remembrance of, this is what He set you free from. Got it? Inasmuch then as the children have partaken of flesh and blood, he himself likewise shared in the same that through death he might destroy him who had the power of death, that is the devil, and release those who through fear of death were all their lifetime subject to bondage. Now see, let, let's just reverse this real quick. If you're if you're subject to bondage, what puts you there? The fear of death. Perfect love cast out all? No, wait, let's try that one more time. Perfect love cast out what? All fear. Well, how come churches are preaching fear if perfect love cast out all fear? Unless that person or people or people group have not experienced the perfect love of God, because if you've experienced the perfect love of God, you're going to be set free from fear of death. See, it's the only, the only thing that keeps you in bondage is the fear of death. The only reason someone can control you is to claim that you're going to die. That's a controlling factor, but if you know that in grace, in Christ, you're never going to die, you're not going to have any Fear, and so no one can control you. No one can manipulate you. Because you're free from that fear. And that through the death, the body, and the blood of Jesus Christ, He has set us free from what kept us in bondage. What kept us in bondage was the fear of death. And how did He set us free from that? Through the perfect love that He has for us. 
Let me explain it this way. To the degree of the love that you've experienced from the Father is the freedom that you live in on earth. Let me put it this way. The amount of freedom that you live on earth is dependent on how much love you've experienced from the Father. If you still feel like you're in bondage and under the basic elements of the world, que sera, sera, you just need to experience more love of God. Because it's the absence of the love of God that's kept you in bondage. Don't blame it on the preacher. <laughs> That's a good comment. It's in there. Hallelujah. Let's go on. That's powerful. All right. Verse 21. Tell me, you who desire to be under the law. No, I'm sorry. Back in Galatians. That's that field drip supervisor right there. Galatians chapter 4, verse 21. Tell me, you who desire to be under the law. See, he is making the law the elementary principles of this world. The, I, the, basic, the basic fundamentals. The, 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 You've got to remember when the children of Israel were given the law to start with, they didn't know how to be people. You, we've talked about that before. See, don't look at the Ten Commandments as being something that were given to Americans. It wasn't. It was given to people that had been slaves for 430 years who didn't know how not to play with human poop. I say that just to get your attention. Leviticus chapter 15 is how not to play with poop. Makes you want to read the Bible, doesn't it? I know all the young people are going, I never, my mama never told me that one. It's in there, whole chapter. Don't sit on a saddle where someone has already <clears throat> on that saddle. Don't lay in a bed in sheets that someone has, <clears throat> you know, because they didn't know how not to. They were slaves. They didn't know how to people. They had no dignity, no value, no self-worth, no pride, no, no, they weren't human. They, for 430 years, they hadn't been treated as humans. Cattle were treated better than them. They were gods. Sheep were gods. Frogs were gods. But the Jews were slaves. Think about it. 430 years you don't have to, of work, and one day out of seven, you don't have to work no more. That's a time of celebration. Everything in the Ten Commandments is about celebration of life. And a field trip supervisors, and that's another message. Listen, it, it, it was the ba it's the fundamental principles. Listen, do you have to be told not to kill nobody? See, they it was basic elements. But but since the time appointed when faith came, that's what it says in Galatians, when faith came, we're we're not under those basic elements, we're far above and beyond those elements. We live in a different realm above and beyond. We're not captive to the fear. See, in, one of the greatest scriptures that ever came to my heart was, was uh, Romans chapter 8 2, where it says that the law, everybody say law. Put that on the board real quick. Romans chapter 8 verse 2. You got, you got excuse me, I didn't give them any notes because we don't use them. But it says, for the law of the spirit of life in, it, does it say a law? Say yes. Yeah. 
It says the law. See, we're not of those who practice lawlessness. In the new covenant, we have laws, but they're different than the old covenant laws. The new covenant basic law is the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made us free from what? The law of sin and death. See, there was one law. See, if you broke, it, if you broke the law in the old covenant, what was the end result? Death. No matter how many laws there are, it all comes from one law under the Old Covenant, which goes all the way back to Adam. It's called the law of sin and death. You break this law, you die. That's the way it used to be. But now there's a new law in the New Covenant called the law of the spirit of, say life, in Christ Jesus has made us what? Free from that law. So in other words, all the laws in the new covenant, see these are dominant laws. All the other laws are secondary laws. The biggest law in the Old Testament is the law of sin and death. The greatest law in the new covenant is the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus. And now we live under a different dominant law and all the laws of the new covenant are based in life through Christ. All the laws under the old covenant were based in death through sin. Which one do you want to live under? People ask me all the time, well, the, the Bible says that no daughter tittle will, uh, the, that the law will be here in mountains. In the hill. Yeah, 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 the, yeah, yeah the, the law's always going to be there. But you're, the law sent in that, I, I put it this way. I don't know how you believe in this, but I'm... I'm uh, you'll fix it later? Okay. You, you've got... You, you've got two choices in life. To live under the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus. And if you don't live under that one, you're living under the other one. And that law is still going to remain. And if you sin, you're going to die unless... So until from now till then... Even though the hills depart, the, the law of God, yeah, the law's yeah, if you choose to live that way. But I choose to live under the spirit of the, the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus. I choose grace, I choose Jesus, and that takes me out of that realm and sets me into a new realm. It gives me the nature of God instead of the nature of Adam. If you still have the nature of Adam, you're still under the old law. And you're going to be judged, say judged. Judge accordingly. That's why when you're born from above and have that nature, the spirit, the nature of God inside you, the scripture says that you can approach the throne of grace. Let's say it again. You can approach the throne of grace. boldly, there's that word, in the time of need. You realize the throne is a place of authority? You realize the throne is a place of judgment? Do you re realize the throne is a place of dictation. It's where things are determined from the throne. Man. Things are determined from a throne. Th things are set in... They're, they're decreed from the throne. We're supposed to approach the throne of... Not the throne of judgment. Even though thrones, the judgment where God is grace, watch this. You're not ready for this. 
Maybe you are. Maybe you're not. I got so much. Remember, you said, you heard it. Just do what you want to do. <laughs> All right. All right. Watch this. Verse 21. Tell me, you who desire to be under the law, do you not hear the law? For it is written that Abraham had two sons, and the one by the bondwoman, the other by the free. Now, who do we know is the bondwoman? Hagar. Hagar. Everybody say Hagar. Hagar. Who is the free woman? Sarah. Sarah. But he who was of the bondwoman was born according to the flesh. Now, let me explain that real quick to you. What it means according to the flesh is several things. One is that it wasn't according to the promise. It was according to the flesh. In other words, the, the covenant promise, uh, I, I don't want to get too graphic. Uh, matter of fact, I'm just going to leave it alone. He wasn't circumcised yet. Okay? And so his seed literally went through the, the flesh. It's symbolic. The next scripture here is going to explain why we're talking about this. Because all this is what? Symbolic. Say symbolic. symbolic. And I've I got to paint this picture of being symbolic before we get back into Genesis. Because Genesis is what? Symbolic. The things that happened back then are symbolic for today. Got it? All right, so let's get into this. He goes on and says this, uh, verse 23, But he who was of the bondwoman was born according to the flesh. See, even according to the flesh was, uh, I don't, we're, we're, you can handle it. Not only did his seed go through the flesh, but Abram, see, it, he wasn't Abraham yet. He was Abram. And I had to apologize to the Holy Ghost. You ever had to apologize to the Holy Ghost? No. Okay. Well, I did. <laughs> we know better. See, see, the, the, you know the scripture says, Abraham staggered not at the promises of God in unbelief. Yeah, he did! <laughs> How can it say that Abraham staggered not at the promises of God in unbelief? You heard that scripture before? He did. It's called Ishmael. Not oatmeal, but Ishmael. Some people who don't like oatmeal call it Ishmael. Ish, you know, but anyway. But, but then the, the Holy Ghost made me take back my, you know, I, I can't, I've told people for years, I didn't say the scripture was wrong, but, but he wasn't Abraham yet. He wasn't Abraham. Abraham did not stack. What? We're going to get into this in a second. I'm a little ahead of myself. He was Abram. Abram staggered at the promises of God. Abraham didn't. What made the difference between Abram and Abraham? Put, put that on. A, can my sound guy, is he back there? Can you put on the first set of letters? The first... Yod. Okay, let me tell you the story real quick. Okay, Je this is the word Jehovah. Yeah. Do, you, do you got that? And Jehovah 
told Abraham, see, when Abram was still in the flesh, in other words, he could still get, not only did the seed pass through the flesh, but he still had the ability to naturally get a, he could still do it. How do you say this in church? He was still in his ability. He still had his ability. Now, if you know anything about grace, grace is what? God's ability in our inability. He, had, he was still manifesting in his own ability to have babies. So Jehovah, and when his name was Abram, see, see, see the, the red letter there? See the red letter? That, 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 that's, the, that's what we call the the hey, the, it's the H sound in Abraham. Abram doesn't have the... It's, it's, the it, it's the word that represents literally life. And it's also the number five in the Jewish alphabet. So in the, in the number system. And so five represents what? Grace. Everybody say grace. grace. All right. And so not only do you have life, but you have grace. And so in Abram... All right? He still had his ability, but not God's ability. And so it wasn't until he passed the ability of, that he had in the natural, and then after he got circumcised, God... Next, next slide. The C, see, that's the... Okay, next slide. That's the H. That's the 5. That's the life and the word that means... The number that means grace. Abram... And then that's how you spell it. The next line down is how you spell Abram in, in the Jewish letters. And the next line is that H just being added. God just took the H and threw it in there. The taking from being Abram to Abraham. So when he had, listen, when he was under his own ability is when he staggered at the promises of God. It's when he had his own ability to do things his way is when he staggered at the promises of God in unbelief. It's only when he came to the end of his ability and God put life and grace in his life that he now had the ability to do it God's way through the promise. Abraham staggered not at the promises of God in unbelief, but Abram did. Got a question. Are we still trying to do things in our own strength, in our own ability? Are we trusting in? Have we left our old nature, our old man, and we stepped into that new man with Christ in us, the hope of glory? Which ones are we still operating in church? Now, for the sake of the story and the, the slide, so we don't have to pull it back up again, go to the next slide. Abram had a girlfriend from way back called Sarai. Okay, she was a fine looking woman. Go to the next slide. All right, see the word Jehovah? See, Sarai became Sarah. You got that? Now, a Jehovah had two of those H's in it, right? Now, can you go back to the one previous to that one? That's called a Yod. Okay, now go back to the one you were just at. Ah, okay, now go back one more. I mean, keep going to Sarai. See, Sarai at the top 
And then you see the next, see that dark? That's the Yod. That's how you spell Sarai in the Jewish language. There's three figures. The first one is the Yod. Well, God took one of the H's, the fives. He had two. He took the other H, the other five, the other life, the other grace that he had, and brought it down and put it into Sarai. But here's what's really fun. Before he could put the life and grace into Sarai to make her Sarah, he had to take something out. So what did he take out? He took out the yod. He took out the yod. The yod is the number 10. The yod stands for the law. Before God could put life and grace his ability into Sarah so she could just not give birth, but so she could breastfeed, he had to take the law out. Now see, see, the scripture says this is all what? Symbolic. So the whole story is symbolic. So now we're in the book of Galatians where there's two bondwomen. One of the... There's a bondwoman and then there's a free woman. One is Hagar and one is Sarah. Sarah represents the free woman with grace and life. Sarah represents the one that's operating with God's ability. Abraham represents the father of our faith. And this is a struggle. This is a struggle between two women. Let me put it this way. Galatians chapter 4 is a struggle between two mamas. Which one's yours? Because Abraham was the father through both of them. And you can have faith in the Hagar. You can have faith in the law. Oh, faith is faith. I'm speeding this up because of time. Faith is faith. There's some people out there that got faith in the law. Abraham's a father of what? Their faith. There's those of us in grace. Abraham's a father of our faith. But who's our mama? Who's our mama? We we can get in all kinds. Do you realize that I I don't have time to read all this? If we had more time, we would. But someone had to get engaged, you know, and all the announcements, you know. know. But listen, Abram and Abraham, they both, same person. The first, I like like this story. And and correct me if I'm wrong, which I know you will. but, But Abram told Sarai, to tell Pharaoh, you're my sister. You know why he said that? Quote, so I might be saved through you. Oh, I started meditating on that one. Wait a minute. So I might be saved through. Maybe it's all symbolic, isn't it? By grace. We have been saved through faith. 
Sarah is known as grace. If Abraham is the father of our faith, Sarah is the mother of our grace. Now, I can talk, I, I'm going to read this to you, and I haven't, I don't use notes, maybe. I just don't have enough time. Let, let me just go ahead and read the rest of this. Verse 24, which, which things are, no, verse 23. But he who was of the bondwoman was born according to the flesh, and, and he of the free woman through promise, which things are? Symbolic, for these are the two covenants. The one from Mount Sinai. See, we always think as Hagar's, yeah, that's, that's the other people that cause them trouble in the world today. No, 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 no. This is symbolic. That's in the natural, but this is symbolic. Because Hagar is representing what? One of the covenants. Here's one of the covenants. You figure out, in your deep theological background, you figure out which covenant this one's talking about. That, that, but uh, the, the one from Mount Sinai, which is, gives birth to what? What were the children of Israel in all their lifetime? Because fear of death, bondage, which is Hagar. That's telling you which one it is. For this Hagar is Mount... What, what came down from Mount Sinai? In Arabia and corresponds to what? Jerusalem. Which is now, or which now is. So in other words, the very Jerusalem that was then, now then, or however you want to say it, back then, he was saying, hey, this, this all the way from Sinai to what's here in Jerusalem today is Hagar. That's what it's saying. And is in his bondage. To, this, to that day they were in what? Because they were under the law. And all of her children. Man. For it is written, Rejoice, O barren, you, you who do not bear. Break forth and shout, you who are not in labor. For the desolate has many more children than she who has a husband. Now we, brethren... As Isaac, say Isaac, was our children of promise. If Hagar represented the one covenant, who represents the other covenant? Sarah. But as he was, listen to this, but as he who was born according to the flesh, then, say then, Perse when was then? When was then? We're going to find out in a second. Don't leave this room yet. But as, as he was born according to the flesh, that's Ishmael. That's Hagar's offspring whose father was faith. Whoa. Same daddy. Same daddy. Or could, she, could we just say Abram was his daddy? Ah, uh, all right. But as he 
who was born according to the flesh, then persecuted him who was born according to the spirit. When did that persecution start? We're going to talk about saying, even so it is what? See, now there is something. Now there's something going on. And now there's something going on in America's churches. Now there's something happening. There's persecution. There's persecution coming to the ones that are preaching grace and peace and Christ's righteousness. But where's it coming? We're going to find out where it's coming from. Verse 30, nevertheless. Now, I got to say this about all those that believe that women should keep quiet in the church. I don't know if this is the first reference. I think it is. I'm not a deep scholar. But this next, let, let me just read this. Nevertheless, what does the scripture say? Cast out the bondwoman and her son. For the son of the bondwoman shall not be heir with the son of the free woman. You realize this is a quote from a woman? I don't know if this is the first or even the only. But this is a quote. This is, this is not a quote. This is a scriptural reference of a quote used in the New Covenant from the Old Testament of a woman. Say woman. Thank God for women. Oh, but men! You, almost, thank God for women. Pastor John, there's not one amen out there. What are these men? Do they? Let me try it one more time. Maybe threes. Thank God for women. Amen. Women, go home and work on them, all right? That was weak and poor. Man, that should, that, every man should have stood up here. Amen, preacher. Thank God for women. There's, that's, that's a little better. Oh, quiet, guys. Y'all, you need a marriage seminar. Dang it. All right. Then it says stand fast. Man, let's, let's go on. Let's turn over here to the book of Genesis real quick. Real quick, book of Genesis. Now remember, we know who Abraham is. We know who Sarah, uh, Sarah is. We know, we, we know who uh, Hagar is. Uh, let me just go over here to this section. Man, this, you got to remember that Abram and Abraham both told Sarai and Sarah, which same peoples, to tell a it really wasn't a lie, it was a mistruth. One was to Abimelech and one was to Pharaoh. The first one was to Pharaoh, the second one was to Abimelech. And do you realize when, uh, when uh, the, there's, a, there's a passage of Scripture that says that, that when Abimelech took Sarah, thinking it was his sister, everything stopped in, in the reproduction. No sheep, no, no slave people, no nothing. Abimelech was, I don't know what's wrong, but we don't have the ability to multiply in any facet. It wasn't until Sarah, watch this, it wasn't until Sarah, Grace, was mixed back with faith together that the first healing where someone laid hands on, Abraham laid hands on those that were sick and they all started having babies again. It was the first reference to healing is when grace and faith came together. It wasn't faith by itself. It wasn't grace by itself. Where's John? Was it John? Israel, where's your friend? Where's Israel? Where's your, where's your friend at? There he is. 
I heard it the first time I heard him speak, brother. One of the greatest teachers I ever heard in my life took grace and faith. And it, there was a battle going on 30 years ago. Is it grace or is it faith? Why can't it be both? And it is. It's when grace and faith come together that the Word of God is manifested in life and function and, and reality in this planet that takes us out of the basic element principles of the world and steps us into a higher degree of living than what's available to those under the law. Man, we can live in freedom and liberty and, 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 and the love of God, not walking around in poverty and sickness and disease. Man, listen, I, I got to... Listen to this. I'm going to skip over here. Put Genesis chapter 21. Genesis chapter 21, verse, verse 6. And Sarah said, God has made me laugh, and all who hear will laugh with me. She also said, who would have said to Abraham that Sarah would nurse children? Now remember, what was taken out of her? Say the law, the yod. Number 10 represents the law, the yod. That was taken, she was, see, it's one thing for me, it was more exciting to know that she could nurse. In other words, you can't feed, you can't feed the law. You can feed grace. You can feed life. She, she just didn't have the ability to conceive, but she had the ability. Jesus told Peter, go feed my sheep. With no law. Watch this. She said, Who would have said to Abraham that Sarah would nurse children? I have borne him a son in his old age. So the child grew, and he was, what's that next word? Weaned. And Abraham made a great feast on the, everybody say, same day. On the same day that he came off mama's milk. Abraham had brisket. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Had real food. And Sarah saw, this is on the same day. And Sarah saw the son of Hagar, who is Ishmael, who had the same daddy. What did she see? She saw the Egyptian who had... And Sarah saw the son of Hagar, the Egyptian, whom she had borne to Abraham scoffing. The scoffing, the ridicule, the persecution began the day that Isaac came off of milk. Now, is there any reference to what it means to come off of milk or not be a babe or be mature? See, it says in Hebrews chapter 5, verse 12 and 13. Put that on the board real quick. Hebrews chapter 5, verses 12 and 13. Remember, we started out reading in Galatians chapter 1 about a child, an infant, is under the law until the time appointed by the Father when faith came. And He's mature. See, for, for, though he is, uh, for though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you again the what? 
first print A, B of the oracles of God, and you have come to need come to need milk. These people had gotten off the milk, but now they got to get back on the milk, not solid food. Next verse. For everyone who partakes only of milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness. Now, if you don't get that, you don't get that. But what it's telling us, it's, it's when you start entering into God's righteousness and the grace of God is when persecution and scoffing is going to come your way. The reason people talk about this teacher and this church and this message is only those that are still on mama's milk because they're unskilled in the word of righteousness. See, the more skilled you are in the word of righteousness, the further away from mama's milk you need to be. Do you understand that? So if someone's criticizing you, well, that grace, you ever heard that term hyper faith? Listen, hyper grace, hyper holiness, hyper, listen, yeah, grace is hyper. It better be. Man, if it comes from God, it's going to blow this world out of the, God's stuff blows this world out of anything. It's like glory. God's grace is glory. But it doesn't, see, grace in your head will cause a theology to develop that causes you to go back into sin. Grace in your head will cause a theology to develop that causes you to go back into sin. But grace in your heart will enable you to overcome the things in life that theology never has let you do before. Theology never has empowered you to do nothing. The Word of God in your heart is what empowers you to do something. Man, getting grace in your heart, uh, they don't even discuss the theology of grace with me. Why? Because it's in my heart. Man, do you want someone you're married to just to marry you because the law said to be married to you? What kind of relationship's that? One that doesn't last. You won't overcome anything. But you have a marriage that's in your heart. Remember, the scripture says that you were married to the law, but now you're dead to the law so you can be married to another. Another reason for communion. Now we're going to, I still, I'm getting to my one point. I got one point in all this. You got to see this. You got to see this. So earlier we said that, that Abraham was saved through Sarah, right? Twice. Say you're my sister. Now, here's the interesting thought uh, the, for you Bible nerds. She really was his sister, but not. They had the same father. Well, faith has a father, and grace has a father. You know where I'm going. You got that. They got the same daddy. Oh, that's good. For you Bible nerds, if you don't get that, you'll get it later. Grace and faith have the same daddy. They come from the same source. Oh, come on now. They come from the same, for, same, same source. But wait a minute. Let's see how this works. Verse 12, please. Genesis chapter 21. 
Verse 12. But God said to Abraham, say faith. But God said to faith. I'm going to stand right in front of Pastor John when I say this. That way he can hit me. God said to faith, do not let it be displeasing in your sight because of the lad or because of your bondwoman. Remember, faith was daddy to both. Whatever. Grace says, listen to her. Grace or Sarah said, get the bond woman out of here. See, the throne of grace is a place of decree. Grace decrees things. Faith responds to grace. Faith manifests the grace. You can have all the grace, but if you don't walk in faith, it won't get done. You can all have all the faith in the world, but if your mother isn't grace, you're going the wrong way. See, it's not about having faith without grace. It's not about having grace without faith. And it's not a, listen, it's just not about having faith. You've got to have faith in what grace says. Grace says you're the righteous of God in Christ Jesus. Grace says all your sins have been forgiven. Yes and amen. Grace says the promise of God are yes and amen. Grace says you're one of his children. Grace says that the least in the kingdom is greater than any servant that was ever been born. Grace says you're complete in him. Whatever, see God said, whatever grace says, you do it. You hear it. Don't do what the law says. Do what great. Don't do what Hagar said. Who's your mother? How many people know to listen to your mama? <laughs> Come on now. You've been. Well, we'll take one step back. Listen to grandmama. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Galatians chapter one, verse. 15. Galatians chapter 1, verse 15. And this will be our last verse. And what's that mean? Absolutely nothing. Okay. <laughs> but when it pleased God, this is the Apostle Paul, but when it pleased God who separated me from my mother's womb and called me through his he wasn't called from his mother's womb. He was called from the top of a horse hitting the ground. Amen. He says, when I... See, his first mother was Hagar. The Jerusalem that now is. And he was separated from that mother's womb into Sarah, the mother of grace. He went from the mother of all law to the mother of all grace with the same faith that he had to start with. It doesn't matter what faith you have. It matters who's your mother. Amen. Father, we give you praise and we give you glory for all that you're doing in our midst. 
Holy Spirit, you are truly the great teacher. We celebrate Mother's Day every day. And all God's people said, Amen.